You give me a time and a place, I give you a five minute window. Anything happens in that five minutes, I'm yours, no matter what. Anything happens a minute either side of that, and you're on your own. Drive is coming up next on Rediscovered Movies. Hello, my name is Namfanella Malloy. I am your host of Rediscovered Movies, where overlooked movies, whether mainstream, independent, or somewhere in between, are discussed to be rediscovered for your viewing pleasure. Drive is a crime drama directed by Nicholas Winning Refn, who's known for The Pusher Films, Bronson, The Neon Demon, and Only God Forgives. This movie is based off a book of the same name by James Hollis. The cast is a good one. It includes Ryan Gosling, Carey Mulligan, Brian Cranston, Christina Hendricks, Ron Perlman, Oscar Isaac, and Albert Brooks. Here is the synopsis. Driver is a skilled Hollywood stuntman who moonlights as a getaway driver for criminals. Though he projects an icy exterior, lately he's been warming up to a pretty neighbor named Irene and her young son Benicio. When Irene's husband gets out of jail, he enlists driver's help in a million dollar heist. The job goes horribly wrong and driver must risk his life to protect Irene and Benicio from the vengeful masterminds behind the robbery. One of the reasons why I chose this movie for the premiere is that it is celebrating its 10 year anniversary as it came out back in 2011. In terms of reception, critics, according to Rotten Tomatoes, gave this movie 93%. Here's what the critics had to say. With its hyper-stylized blend of violence, music, and striking imagery, Drive represents a fully realized vision of art house action. So, clearly, critics were entertained with this film. What did the audience think? Well, they gave it, on Rotten Tomatoes, 79%. And with a C minus cinema score. So, audience, you could say, they were like, okay about it, but... It was certainly different from what they imagined the film to be. Because when the trailer for this movie came out, many, I would say, hoped or actually predicted that, oh, this movie is like Fast and Furious. Because obviously the trailer shows sizzle reel of Ryan Gosling in the driver's seat, driving around fast-paced, but obviously when the movie came out, it wasn't like that. So, it came out on theater September 16th in North America. It debuted number three with 11.3 million. Guess which movie beated this movie at the box office? during opening weekend. Well, it was the re-release of The Lion King in 3D, which made 
30.1 million, which is mind blowing. I mean, it's rare for a re a release film to do well at the box office, let alone open to number one. But I guess you know it was something that kids, I guess, could enjoy. But I mean, at the same time, you could have seen this movie at home. And plus, I imagine with the three D, because if you guys remember, Avatar came out two thousand nine in three D, which blew people away. It has yeah good three D. I've seen it in the theaters. I could attest to that. But since, because that movie did crazy well, you saw tons of movies. Released in 3D. Some. I would say. Lived up to those expectations. While others. I would say the majority. Failed. So just back to the box office. So. Contagion was number two. During opening weekend with 14.5 million. I would say solid movie. Go check that out. So Drive. It made. A grand total of seventy six point nine million during its theatrical run. So thirty five point oh six was domestic, with forty one point nine million international. This movie is available on Amazon Prime to stream, and video on demand. Check your local listings. Okay, now I am going to share my thoughts on the movie. So. I'm going to start off with a segment called First Discoveries. With this category, I essentially talk about how I first learned about this movie, what were my initial reactions when I first saw it, and has that opinion changed since then. So, how I first learned about it was when it had its debut at the Cannes Film Festival back in 2011. I heard that it got like standing ovation from audience members and Nicholas winning weapon. He won a best director's award. I was not familiar with his work at the time, but from what I researched, he did mainly, I guess you could say art house or like experimental type movies, mainly overseas. And I thought, oh, like, you know, it sounds, with this movie, it kind of sounds like a 70s, like, crime film, like, with Steve McQueen or, like, Clint Eastwood, you know, like, that era-type movies, but modern. And once I saw, like, a bit more, like, footage, like, when it premiered at San Diego Comic-Con and Toronto Film Festival... I was intrigued. The trailers, um, like, like, obviously I was interested in the movie, but I wasn't really too sure about the trailers at the time because it kind of seemed to suggest that this movie was like an action movie. I mean, yes, it does have action, but I would say like, it's more like a thriller 
because with its, you know, moments that kind of keep you on the edge of your seat. So when it came out in theaters, I saw it opening weekend. With the theater where I was at, there wasn't like too many people I would say was empty, but I mean, there was still like quite enough people. And after like I finished watching the theater, my mind was blown. Like I'll break my thoughts in the next category, but essentially like it immediately like became one of my favorite movies of 2011. And it was really an interesting, I guess, career move for Ryan Gosling at that point because he had three slates of movies that year after he did a hiatus. So the other two that came out that year was The Eyes of March and Crazy Stupid Love. Drive, obviously, like is my favorite out of the three because it really, he kind of gives... A different performance like in that movie like a more I wouldn't say like laid back but he's kind of like reserved but he certainly has a presence and obviously since you know the film's released many years later I still enjoy that movie so really my opinion hasn't changed since I first saw it I'm going to break down my thoughts on the film in this segment I call Highlights and Lowlights. Let's start off with the highlights. Essentially, what worked? Los Angeles. It's admirable that here, Los Angeles, it's really less attractive because we see Los Angeles mainly at night. There's a lot of night scenes. And during the day, like, we see, like, there's not a lot of, like, touristry-type attractions. Because essentially, like, we follow Driver, like, when he's on the road. And him at his apartment. And then him at work at the garage. And kind of, like, the lesser populated areas of Los Angeles. I thought, wow... This really, like, worked for this movie since it's a crime drama. You don't want to be showing a lot of, I would say, touristy attractions because that could distract the viewer from the movie. Because I like how Los Angeles is very dark and gritty. I would say, like, there is the scene where Driver and Irene, uh, during the montage, where they are driving down that famous tunnel, which is shown in tons of films and TV. But really, apart from that, we don't see too many notable landmarks from Los Angeles, which worked. The soundtrack is a banger loved the sort of the dark edm feel to it since this movie is independent 
like it fits of course the director's wheelhouse like with his previous movies so of course fitting to like i guess with the director's vision we don't really get um notable at least famous i guess singers or artists to contribute to the soundtrack because prior to this movie I did not know Kavinsky or the Chromatics, none of them. But after, like, this movie, it kind of, like, piqued my interest to kind of learn more about the artist's work. The use of silence in this movie, it could have been, like, a hit and miss, but here, like, it worked. Because since Driver, he is like the silent type. He doesn't have a name. We just know him as Driver. So really, like, there's a lot of non-verbal communication. But when he talks, like, it's critical. With the scenes, particularly with Driver and Irene, I mean, those are really eye-catching. Because... We see that clearly, like, they're, they like each other. And it is mind-blowing. I, I'm, I'm speechless. But, yeah, like, I guess they have, like, their own, like, inner, like, monologue that they're communicating to each other that, as the audience, may not be clued in, but we can kind of get like the vibe on on what those characters are projecting and it's also yeah noted that apparently ryan gosling and nicholas winning reffin apparently they trimmed down a lot of the dialogue that was in the earlier drafts of the movie in order to i guess use more subtext more non-verbal communication which is admirable because i bet that if it was another director essentially with the dialogue i believe that was in the book it would have been really used more and if it was a major studio obviously like, you'll hear tons of dialogue, which could either work or not. Now, the jacket. That scorpion jacket is fire. When I first saw that jacket, it looked really cool with the, the satin lining and the scorpion on the back of his jacket. I recall that people, they wanted that jacket, and I was one of them. It was hard. <laughs> it was hard to find, like, where that jacket was sold. But I would love, like, a customized jacket. Now, for scenes, I would say, yeah, like, the whole movie 
excellent. But some scenes that I particularly enjoyed, the opening sequence with Driver at his apartment. He is talking to the criminals on the phone in terms of how the situation is going to go down. Then he does a job, and then we cut to opening credits. Interesting choice with the credits using hot neon pink with cursive fonts. That is really like an interesting stylistic choice, but it works for this movie. And having Nightcall in the background, it kind of gives you, yeah, that, that feel to it. That, oh, this is going to be like a cool movie that we are going along for the ride. The strip club scene where Driver, like, he goes after Cook after he almost gets killed. Engaging. Because we see him talk to one of the strippers to ask, like, where Cook is. And then once he walks down that hallway, once that hammer drops, (laughs) it... I was like, whoa, I was like, this is about to go down. And once he finds Cook in the dressing room, like, it's just madness. When Driver takes a bullet and then places it on Cook's forehead, we see Driver like he is about to lose his stuff. I mean, he kind of pauses, like, after he talks to Nino, like, on the phone. But, yeah, like, it could have gone either way. But, yeah, clearly at that point, like, Driver, like, he has kind of lost his cool. Because prior, like, we see Driver, like, he's he's kind of, like, too cool for school, But he'd rather be in the background, you know, especially like with his job as a stuntman, because we pretty much see him wear this freaky VFX mask as he does his stunts. And he really is the type of character that doesn't want to like stand out. But once like, you know, he is there in the scene, like, we could certainly feel his presence. And with the strip club scene, like, his presence is noted. The elevator scene, when he stomps, holy moly. (laughs) It really was interesting. I've never seen, like, a scene happen like that that way prior to this movie but yeah we can certainly like kind of feel like every like kick that he delivers to this assailant and Carrie Mulligan like she is just in shock because prior to him you know beating the guy up They share a moment. They have a kiss in slow motion. And then Driver, like, immediately goes to town on this guy. 
And then, like, Driver, like, he is, I would say, like, embarrassed because he had to do that in front of Irene. And she is just, like, speechless at the point. But we don't really get to see her react because the elevator door is closed as she exits. Iconic scene. Nino's death scene. That really felt like a horror movie. Because we see Driver in that freakish mask. He kind of like stalks Nino, like who's kind of having a good time at his pizzeria. And once like Nino, like he's in the car, we see Driver's kind of like taunting with him, like with the lights. But then once those headlights turn on, we know it's about to go down. And then once he rammers that car off the cliff, that that score, intense score, it kind of like keeps your heart beating. But we, but we as the audience kind of know like what's going to happen with this character. And I want to say the performances from the cast solid particularly from ryan gosling and albert brooks because really here like is a it's really a different type of performance for albert brooks because i have not seen too many of his previous work i just know him for being nemo's dad and finding nemo but because he's really known for doing lots of comedies and i say like solid job he gave, you know, playing this mobster uh, figure who really has a maternal side, like when he interacts with Driver. I thought solid. So, really, like, this movie is filled with highlights, whether it's, you know, those scenes of like driver like on the road or him like beaten up or evading assailants particularly like after the car chase sequence I thought wow I don't have really anything to add in terms of the lowlights of the movie but what I would say is that with the trailer i believe the theatrical trailer when that came out it kind of was misleading because like i said earlier like it kind of suggested that this movie was an action even though it does have those moments it's not it's like a thriller a crime thriller yeah i just wished maybe like the trailer could show more of I don't know, like, driver of, like, psychosis, like, you know, how he is dealing with things, like, when, like, he meets Irene, or stuff what happens after Irene's husband gets killed, that sort of stuff. But also, like, I want to note that in terms of the violence... I didn't mind it, but I could see why some people could be 
turned off about it because at times it could get pretty graphic, particularly um, with the scene at the motel when Blanche, she gets her head shot off. Like it's really shown in detail in slow motion. And when Driver, like he kills the assailant to enter that was pretty intense so i felt like the violence in this movie like it wasn't like exploitive in the sense that it was just there for the sake of violence like it it, it was kind of like showing like the like the chaos like of the situations and how you know, the characters react in order to get out of that situation. Now, I would like to share some trivia with you. So, pretty much talk about any fun facts about the film. This movie has quite a lot. So, let's start at the beginning. So, as I mentioned, this movie is based off a book of the same name, which was released in 2005. So apparently the producers, Mark Platt and Adam Siegel, they optioned a novel after Siegel read a review from Publishers Weekly. Because apparently he felt the driver was, quote, the kind of character you rarely see anymore. He was a man with a purpose. He was a very good at one thing. And made no apologies for it. That really was interesting because with I guess with I guess with the book, I guess what reminded the producers of those like movies like from the seventies where with the leading men like Steve McQueen, Clint Eastwood were essentially they're kind of like too cool for school. We don't know much about, you know, their backstory, but we know that they're essentially badasses. And it's kind of like refreshing to see like movies like that because really it kind of puts you along for the ride. So really like, as an audience, like you kind of just focus more on the situation, what's going down without revealing like too much about the character's backstory, which either may or may not be crucial to the plot. So after the producer's option to rights for the novel, it was announced in 2008 that Neil Marshall was going to direct a film with Hugh Jackman to star under Universal Pictures, but that, mo- but that fell through by February 2010, and Platt, he decided to contact Ryan Gosling to star in the movie. I mean, that, if that version of the movie were, if it went through it would have been very different from what we got with the final product 
Because I would imagine, because the book has a lot of dialogue, that with that version, I imagine it was going to be similar to what happened in the book. And really with Nicholas winning Refn, like, of course he wanted to keep the essence of the, of the book in terms, I guess, of the plot. But really, like, he wanted to make it more, like, character-driven without revealing too much characters, if that makes sense. So, after when Ryan Gosling, like, he signed on to do the film, he approached Nicholas Winning Refn to direct the film because he was a fan of his previous work. So apparently, like, when they met Nicholas Winning Refn, like, he apparently was ill and he wanted, I guess, a ride home after their meeting. And apparently a song by Radio Speedwagon came on and that's when uh, Refn, he kind of pitched his idea for the movie, and then the rest was history. So after Nicholas Winning Refn, after when he signed on, he moved into an LA home during filming and insisted that the cast members and the writer move in with him so they could essentially workshop the movie. They would work on the script, they would watch movies, uh, they would edit or, and, or drive at night. And apparently he requested that the editing suite be placed in his home as well. And with a shooting script of 81 pages, uh, the director and Gosling, they continued to trim down the dialogue during filming. That is really kind of rare for a production to go down like that because it felt, it kind of reminded me of theater. Because theater essentially, like, Everyone from cast to designers, directors, so forth, we're all kind of in the same, like, bubble. Like, we're all there, essentially, to make a good production. So, I don't know, like, if the director has a theater background, but really, he wanted to create a sense of community, where essentially everybody is there to contribute, despite what role they're they're in and that's really admirable and obviously you could tell that all the elements came together you saw like pretty much the cast had tons of chemistry and i guess living in this in the same place it worked out another fun fact With his, uh, with Nicholas Winning Refn's uh, visual style, apparently consistent, he used uh, wide-angle lenses, um, which were used by cinematographer Newton Thomas Siegel. Um, they avoided handheld camera work, thank God, because they wanted to keep the film more grounded and authentic and avoided uh, CGI, mainly because it was too expensive. Kudos. 
And apparently, uh, with the director's inspiration was came partly from reading uh, Grimm's fairy tales, and his goal was to make quote a fairy tale that takes Los Angeles as a background, with the driver as a hero. And to play with the common theme of fairy tales, the driver protects what is good, while at the same time killing degenerate people in violent ways. Interesting. So I guess, yeah, in a in a way, you could say this movie is like a fable, where our protagonist driver he kind of has to go through a series of trials to make it out at the end of the day, or end of the night in this case. And for the music, the director he wanted a score by Johnny Jewell of Desire and Chromatics, whose music was used. In the movie, but apparently the studio they had other plans. They instead hired Cliff Martinez at the last minute to imitate the style and feel of Jules Band's Chromatics and Glass Candy. I thought interesting. I mean, it was kind of dis- disappointed that's how it went down. But I mean, at the same time, when I was listening to the score, I felt you know there was a cohesion. In terms of the tone and the feel of both the score and the soundtrack. Now, continuing on with the soundtrack. So, he was going through the director, going through Johnny Jewel's catalog. He picked out Under Your Spell and Tick of the Talk, Tick of the Clock, because he thought of the film being a fairy tale. At first, Jewel worried that Under Your Spell might be too literal, but soon realized it's used in Drive, quote, in the exact same way that I was feeling it when I wrote it. He definitely got the nuance of the song and understood what it was supposed to mean, and he wanted to give that emotion to the viewer, that same feeling. I was not familiar with his previous work, but with those song selections, it worked. Because even I remember with Take of the talk, sorry, take of the clock, tongue twister there. That was used in numerous films, including one of the sequels for Taken. I think it was Taken 2. And I just want to mention that the studio, Film District, back in November 2010, they acquired the North American distribution rights. This was after... Their project on Universal fell through. So apparently they were so eager to get their hands on Drive, they started negotiating to buy it before seeing any footage, believing it could appeal to people who enjoy a genre movie as well as art house crowd. I thought, I mean, kudos to that studio. I mean, it's kind of unfortunate that they, that that company disbanded, but... Certainly, this movie was notable amongst their catalog. Now, I'll wrap up with this question. Why should this movie be rediscovered? Well, for one, Los Angeles. Dark take on the LA city that doesn't focus on those trying to make it big, being celebrity and famous. That's her stuff. Soundtrack, banger, love the music choices with 
Jules catalog, a real hero, tick of the clock, bangers. Subtext. Love how it was minimalist. I loved the dialogue was not literal. It wasn't in your face. So really, here it kind of gives the audience to kind of like guess like what is happening without being spoon-fed. So certainly with this movie, it doesn't underestimate the audience. Nicholas Wending Refn, amazing job with the visual style. Again, I was not familiar with his previous work, but after seeing this movie, it kind of made me curious to see his work that he has done previously and since this movie. Ryan Gosling, MVP of this movie, not just in terms of his performance, but also him recruiting the director. Because had this version fell through, probably this movie would not have the acclaim that this movie has currently. So I really urge you, if you haven't seen the movie, please like check it out. It's available to stream on Amazon Prime and it's available on demand, so check your local listings. That is a wrap on this episode of the podcast. You can submit questions, comments, and suggestions by email, which is rediscoveredmovies at gmail.com. Those will be read along with a recap of the season, which will air after the season finale. You can also follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at rdmoviespod for updates. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.